Hi, welcome to Looking Through the Lens of Scripture. In this series of podcasts, we'll be taking topics from pop culture and examining them in light of the Bible. We hope you enjoy our monthly series that makes modern topics scripturally relevant. Hello, it's good to be back. Hey, how you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been uh, about a month. Exactly right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so today, like, uh, as part of the Lens Through Scripture idea that we're going with, I thought we can sort of begin to talk about Star Wars and the New Hope. I kind of feel like that particular movie is filled with a, a ton of symbolism, um, and it kind of teaches, in, in a way, um, ideology. Um, specifically, uh, what I found kind of interesting about A New Hope is the, the character of uh, Ben Kenobi. You know, Ben is like, uh, he lives like a hermit. He purposefully distances himself from the world. Um, and when he receives a message from Leia, he finds that he's pulled back into action. And, um, you know, he kind of finds a way to redeem himself. Um, Kenobi has no kids, but in Luke, he sees uh, a son that he never had. Um, he sees his failure with Luke's father, Anakin, but resolves to send Luke to a better place, uh, rather to a better teacher, uh, which is Yoda, right? And the whole idea is that there's this prophecy of balance in the Force, which uh, is supposed to lie within Luke. So Kenobi begins to care again and convinces uh, Luke, the reluctant hero, to enter into the rebellion. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, well, what you mentioned about the ideology of Star Wars, I think that's been uh, probably the primary draw of the uh, fandom around it. I think um, the... The, the Star Wars culture, um, you know, its uh, sort of seat in pop culture has a lot to do with the, uh, you know, the Force um, and the uh, sort of, for lack of a better term, faith-based um, ideals around it. And uh, so when we talk about um you know how it started how it started in pop culture anyway was with the new hope uh obviously now we know that's not how the story started um i think it's very interesting as a commentary on uh you know society itself and it's um seeking something you know we many fans i would say most fans latch on to um that aspect of the the films and uh to think that you know we have something like um christianity which is is so parallel in many ways to the force and so on so when we see um ben bring luke into the fold and uh how that progresses I found it extremely interesting, not so much as uh, a child when I first saw it, but as I grew older and um, became sort of rooted in my own faith, uh, being able to watch those films with a very different sense, uh, I thought it was very powerful. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember when we were actually attending uh, design school, and I think this movie had come out uh, which was about Trekkies, I think it was. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was a bit of a, it was actually pretty funny to watch. But I remember um, uh, similar things were happening with Star Wars, and there's this kind of two-faction 
you know, oh, we like Star Wars or we like uh, Star, Star Trek. And and some of the things that people were saying were like, I want to be a Jedi, right? I want to be part of that order, right? And, you know, when you think about Star Wars, it really is kind of like religion based in a construct of sci-fi, right? Right. And you know, obviously there's the Force, which, you know, obviously can be likened, uh, could be the analogous to, to God, right? Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, they don't worship it, but they kind of feel like it's everywhere. And so there's this idea of this omnipresent uh, sort of entity, which is the Force, right? And so I, I agree with you, like, there is definitely this yearning uh, that society has in at large in that they want to belong to something, whether it's, uh, you know, be to be a sports fan, to belong to that, you know, sort of that team, to belong to, um, you know, a place of work, right? Or to belong to your school. Um, you know, when you enter university, often people will, will enter these um, fraternities, and so they, they feel like they're belonging to something, right? Some entity, some group, some larger collective, right? And I think it's it's a natural tendency for people to do that because, uh, you know, human beings are social sort of like creatures, right? Like we want to be around other people. And so we want to have that sense of connection. Um, and I think that this kind of often parallels with um, with Jesus, right? Because he essentially uh, didn't do everything by himself. Right? He, uh, once he was baptized by John the Baptist, basically his cousin, um, he actually began his ministry, you know, probably the next, that same day, right? He started to collect a group of 12 disciples, right, who he would actually teach because he knew that at some point he'd be leaving, he'd be ascending up to heaven, and so someone would need to be um, to remain behind to continue his ministry, right? So here he is uh, gathering um, his little uh, team, his little uh, rebellion, if you want to call it that, and, uh, you know, teach them and prepare them uh, to spread the gospel throughout the regions. And, um, you know, like this kind of hero's journey uh, is something similar that we see in New Hope, right? Because we see... Uh, a small band forming. Uh, we have, you know, Kenobi now catalyzed with the message that he received from R2-D2. And now he's begun his own little group with Luke and then eventually with Solo, Chewbacca, and ultimately Leia. Now, when we, when you mentioned that we were discussing um, Obi-Wan and and Luke, and I was trying to figure out you know, trying to find um, parallels and comparisons in the the roles, um, specifically, of course, who is in that sense um, most reflective of uh, Jesus and uh, his role and so on. And um, it's interesting what you say about kind of the, you know, the group that they form the small group and that we focus on in the movie, um, Han Solo and Leia and Chewbacca and so on, um, they kind of play a discipleship role. Um, however, I would say at most it seems that they're they're doing that uh, with Luke, right? Um, and then uh, there's times and unfortunately I didn't refresh myself on all the movies but there's times when Luke uh he goes away he goes and he sees uh Yoda for a while to train and so on and and that's um you know very similar to when Jesus would go away and 
uh, he would take time to pray and um, he needed that alone time with God. Um, so I was trying to figure out really where Ben uh, did uh, what parallel he had. Was he a mentor or was Yoda a mentor? Was um, then what role did Luke really play? And so I think, you know, I, I tried to not try too hard to find those direct parallels because I think the, the overriding parallel is the force itself. Um, however, I found, I did find it difficult. I found it difficult to really find, um, who fit in where, because there were quite a few differences. I, I like, I, I remember, I don't know why I remember for it specifically, but when, uh, I think Ben was, um, telling Luke about his father and, uh, that uh, his father was murdered and so on. And, and he mentioned something about point of view, I think. Um, I thought that was really interesting, you know, the, um, kind of the way we look at things. And uh, so, it, I don't know, I, I guess maybe we could say Ben was lying to Luke about his father a bit. Um, but he, uh, he, and I'm I'm just going on memory from <laughs> a long time ago, but uh, he did mention that point of view thing, and that always stood out to me. How yeah, how you alter your point of view to um, you know change your perspective on a story. Yeah, I mean, you raise a really good point. Like Jesus himself, like often would teach in parables, right? And uh, um, sometimes these parables were a little bit cryptic. And even the disciples said, "Hey, you know, Jesus, why are you?" Why are you telling us the the explanation for these parables? But you're, but you know, for the Pharisees, you're telling them these parables, and they just don't fully understand it, right? Right. And you know, he did it intentionally, right? Because the entire point of his teachings is that um, he taught it in such a way to convey abstract concepts to uh, general populace. So, for example, he would use you know the seed um, to represent or symbolize. Um, the Christian individual, right? Um, they kind of die to their old self, getting buried, right? Like as all seeds are given, are buried in the ground, and then they they arise, they emerge as a sprout, as a seedling, right. right? And that is kind of is kind of like symbolic of the new self, right? The new Christian who now believes in Christ and is you know, trying to ma to maximize their faith and minimize their sins, right? Um, and I kind of feel like as to your earlier point about you know what where are the roles like do we see exact parallels and i don't think we see one-to-one -one parallels with every character and sometimes a single character can symbolize many uh many people right True. Yeah. Uh, for example like luke is you know he yearns for adventure he um you know he really detests the drudgery of life as a farmer on the moisture farm um he seeks glory as a soldier right but when it comes down to it he's not prepared when asked to the when asked to join the rebellion, right? Um, he's forced to leave actually, right? Um, when he discovers that his foster parents are, de are dead, right? And so in Kenobi, he, he clearly sees a father figure, right? Um, and then talking about, you know, you raise a really good point, like Kenobi basically is lying, right? He lies to Luke about his father. He's kind of manipulating Luke into thinking that he's more capable than he perceives himself to be, right? Trying to, to build up his confidence, right? right? To let him know that there's a greater uh, hole that he's actually part of, right? 
And so, uh, you know, Kenobi often <laughs> engages in kind of like psychological operations in a way, right? Like he, he uses the, the force to trick the Imperial stormtroopers into believing that these are not the droids you're looking for. Uh, he, he manipulates Solo into helping them out, using money as a carrot, right, dangling and tempting uh, Solo with all this money and riches, right, if, they, if only he helps them. Um, and so, but ultimately, I like the idea of redemption, right? So Kenobi, he sees Luke as a means to gain redemption from old wrongs, right. you know, because of his failures in the past. Uh, he, he obviously tries to hide the truth from Luke, and uh, and even in his death, uh, he continues to manipulate Luke, right? Um, because he's trying to push Luke into resetting the balance to the Force, right? Because, and again, we see a lot of this prophecy, which is very biblical in nature, right? Mm -hmm. That things will happen in the future, uh, things that are not yet realized, but they're culminating into that one, you know, one kind of critical uh, e event, right? And so Kenobi definitely um, symbolizes a father figure. Uh, throughout the entire first, uh, throughout the early part of the story arc, right? But then he kind of, um, you know, he becomes like a preacher, like Jesus, right? Teaching um, his disciples, you know, how to, you know, how to sort of remain resolute with their with their beliefs, right? right. And then finally, Kenobi symbolizes uh, the son, you know, as he sacrifices himself to enable Luke and his band to you know, escape to ultimately destroy the Death Star, right? So so Kenobi is actually pretty interesting because you might think that he's more of a sort of like a very tertiary character. In fact, he's quite interesting because um, uh, throughout different timelines in the in the future film, you know, Kenobi kind of can be symbolic of the father. He can be symbolic of, of Jesus during his ministry. And he can also um, be symbolic of you know the sacrifice that Jesus uh, performed on the cross, right, to enable um, the plan for man's salvation, right. So Kenobi is actually a pretty key figure, I think. I agree completely. And one of the things that uh, is very interesting about him when you when you said that he he often um, he plays the role of the father, um, those little things like when he did. Uh, say these are not the droids you're looking for and so on it was kind of the um to me you know the god makes a way sort of thing um mm. if if you go by faith um the things that we're often that hinder our uh progress or not necessarily our progress but hinder us wanting to progress um are things that we think will just simply can't work out. And then, um, or when we get into those situations where this is it, where we're done, um, God somehow makes a way. And I think Ben played that role often in, uh, not only in direct communication, but just in those things, in his application of the force, we'll say. Uh, when he did things like that, and even to a different extent uh, later on, so does Yoda. Um, so that again is is where I think I, the the film itself gave a real commentary on um, trust and faith, and uh, just how you know Ben called we'll say called Luke in and um, 
into this mission uh, and um, into this, you know, even calling it, it became a vocation for Luke. Mm -hmm. And um, Luke had his excitement about it, but also a lot of, um, you know, concerns and uh, doubts. And um, that's where I think Ben really kind of played the role, stepped in as that sort of, not necessarily, not only a mentor, but as that guidance, as that sort of father figure. And, and by father, I mean like like God. Exactly. Um, where he, he was able to uh, overcome those obstacles that uh, Luke himself simply couldn't. And, and by applying the force the way he did. Yeah, and like something you raised earlier, uh, the idea that, you know, how do we find biblical figures in in these characters in, in Star Wars, right? And it's kind of cool because you mentioned, um, you know, Luke goes away for a while and is discipled by Yoda, right? And so we, you know, we see a parallel with Jesus entering the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Um, to be tempted, right? So he's kind of like, um, that's his proving grounds, right? That's where he gets kind of like... Um, uh, solidified, right, where he gets hardened, right, um, and ultimately, the, which culminates in his uh, temptation by the devil, you know, the three times that he tempts uh, Jesus, right? right. Um, so I kind of feel like that hardening process is something that everyone is very familiar with and can identify with, right? Um, you know, we see Luke initially bored, and he's like, oh, I'm good. He's, he fantasizes about joining the rebellion uh, to save himself from a meaningless life, right? Um, he wants to kind of discover his own origin story, like who are his real parents, right? This has always been hidden from him. Mm -hmm. And at some point he must know that his, his uncle is hiding uh, the truth from him as well. So not only is Kenobi hiding the truth, so is his uncle, right? Um, and Luke is, you know, motivated to discover his right. significance in the universe. Um, and he sees high adventure, but he balks when the opportunity presents itself. Um, and, you know, just like everyone else, Luke is fearful of an unknown, unknown destiny, right? Uh, we want to be comfortable. We want to, you know, sort of stick with what we know, right? We, we kind of are, are victims of confirmation bias mm -hmm. in that we gravitate to whatever confirms our, you know, kind of like existing beliefs, right? And we don't like to be challenged as much. And many people kind of shy away from that. And so I kind of feel like in many of these characters, you know, we see a lot of reluctance at first and distrust uh, and um, kind of like n not having enough faith, not believing in a cause. I mean, Solo is an excellent example of this, right? Kenobi, he, right. you know, Kenobi does a really good job reading him. He knows that he's completely motivated by by materialistic things like money, right? Because clearly he has uh, problems with money. You know, he has a price on his head, so he's got to fix that problem, right? Um, and then he kind of sells Solo on the idea of all this glory that he'll receive, right? If he can, you know, help the rebellion succeed in their mission, right? And it, you know, I, I often think about, um, I think it's um, Simon Peter, right? Peter is this kind of gruff kind of man, not very sophisticated and probably not well-educated, um, but he becomes such a devout follower of Jesus, right? And although he fails many times throughout his journey during his discipleship, right? He um, clearly, you know, is devoted to Jesus and loves him and we see him becoming so distraught when he denies Christ three times, right? When after he gets arrested, right? But it's a testament to his character that he's such a, it doesn't matter who you are, 
right? You don't have to be from, um, you know, sort of nobility. You don't need to be from an affluent family. You don't need to be um, anyone special. You can still be used by God, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, your faith can continue to grow even if you don't believe in yourself, right? The main thing is to uh, keep your eyes and keep your heart on what really matters, which is, um, you know, trusting in God and loving your fellow man, right? I mean, those are basically the two corner tenets of the Ten Commandments. You know, there's a reason why they were written on two two separate tone, stone tablets, right? The the Ten Commandments were written on two separate stone tablets for a reason. It's because the first half kind of teaches us how to, to love God, and the second half teaches us how to love our fellow man, right? So it's it's clear, to, it's easy to see these um, themes in, in the New Hope, right? Right. Because we're, we're you know we're sort of like living the life through Luke's eyes or Solo's eyes, and we can see the, you know the internal struggles that they have. Like, what are we doing? Like, how can we possibly defeat this ridiculously massive Death Star? Right, and we're totally outgunned, outnumbered, um, outfinanced, right, by the, <laughs> the galactic or what is it called? Beyond by the Imperial forces. Like, they have way more money than the rebels, who are just a ragtag kind of put together group. They're well funded. They're well equipped. They have, you know, the superior hand, right? So how could we possibly defeat uh, this empire? It's impossible, right? And they have this massive machine which can destroy whole planets. And so, you know, most people just say, "Well, forget. It. Why would? Why should we even try?" Right? right? But it's, you know, ultimately their faith that carries them through, right? So uh, this strong idea of, you know, redemption, justice, uh, and prophecy. Um, are definitely um, found through like, these um, themes are ubiquitous. They're found throughout the uh, Star Wars IP, right? Like the entire um, premise is built upon uh, these ideas, right? Uh, um, yeah, it's one of the uh, the things about um, the whole, the entire story is that not only are we seeing, um, you know, I'm trying to uh, put my thoughts into words here, um, that faith, that, that uh, you know, calling, we'll say, happens, on, happens to many of the characters. Uh, there's reluctance, like you said, with Solo. There's um, excitement, but reluctance with, uh, Luke, and um, as the the whole story unfolds, um, various means are employed in the story and by characters within the story to uh, make other characters understand their their calling in this. Um, see that they are part of something very big, despite who they are. You know the the main group there it's um we'll say a a, a transport driver and a farmer right <laughs> that's those are two of the guys that kind of steal the show and um so when we we look at who gets called um to step up in various aspects of the christian faith um it's absolutely it has nothing to do with who you are and uh, where you come from. It's how you've been chosen um, 
by God. Now, of course, in Star Wars, there's a lineage and that um, has unfolded prior to the New Hope. But um, even that was, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't something that, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say it, but it wasn't that that lineage, although there, I guess we could say there was some royalty in it, <laughs> <laughs> um, that had nothing to do with uh, what Luke could do. And then even Ben's role, um, I actually found something he said, and I don't remember what it was necessarily, but it reminded me that Ben kind of played a, a very uh, Holy Spirit role in the end. You know, he went from, um, I don't, he, he was killed. Well, he, he, he actually sacrificed himself and, uh, didn't he? He, yeah, exactly. In order for, uh, for them to get away. And, um, he, uh, you know, then he became like this, he still communicated with Luke and on a, on a very spiritual level. Um, and you know, he he spoke with him he encouraged him he uh he even told him like told him what to do at times and um he became that voice within so i i think he played a very uh whole a a very kind of clear role as a spiritual guide in that regard and then that that kind of made me think yeah he's much like the holy spirit and the way we uh we speak with and are spoken to um, by the Holy Spirit and, and how that's, you know, just that word on our heart on sometimes it's very direct and we, we act and sometimes it's uh, sort of a food for thought sort of feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I didn't really want to say it, but yeah, like I, it's kind of cool that you, you basically have the same um, sort of interpretation as I do. Yeah. Like Kenobi is kind of cool because Although he's not necessarily the central character, right? He's not the main character, right? Um, he's a very important character because uh, he's a very symbolic, right, of basically the Holy Trinity, right? So he begins as as the father, right? And then he's the teacher, the preacher. And then finally he becomes the, the sacrifice. kind of That's analogous to Christ. And then he becomes, in a way, like as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit, right? The guiding spirit, right? Like Jesus mentioned to the disciples, in my absence, I'll send you the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, and then he will guide you, right? He will support you and and continue um, to strengthen your faith, right? So, and I think that is um, is such a powerful sort of um, symbol, right, in Star Wars, right? And Kenobi is a figure, he wants to defeat the Empire, but he feels that removing himself from the world is uh, serving that purpose, right? But ultimately as as events unfold he just he realizes that no like i need to get back into this i need to um integrate back into the stream right and so even though it's not good that he lied to pretty much everybody he feels that the ends <laughs> justifies the means right like he feels that he only reveals information as he deems necessary to achieve his end goals right and so keeping the truth about Vader from Luke, <laughs> right? 
that well that may be where that point of view thing comes in because um yeah i guess you know technically and i imagine it's debated all over the place he lied um however you know there's sometimes in order to um make us act god kind of gives us uh, puts things on our hearts or or I'm going to say even, you know, he changes our perception of things or, or mm -hmm. guides our perception. You know, we, we say things a one, uh, a certain way we're human. Um, however, you know, you often hear it said things, uh, aren't always as they seem. And I think what Ben did was, um, he knew how to employ certain, um, perspectives upon Luke to get him to act. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think God does that. God doesn't, he doesn't lie to us, but, um, spiritually, uh, I think the Holy Spirit uh, works with our, our perspective. We, we probably, and I, I think of this often, we probably see things so differently than, um, our, then the Holy Spirit or then our spirit would, you know, we're, we're so influenced by our environment and our, our, everything we're taking in all the time. So we, we, and we, and our ego, of course. Mm -hmm. So our ego very much influences our perspective. So when we talk about how Ben may have been lying, um, I kind of do equate that to how the Holy Spirit uh, provides us information with a different perspective. Um, not necessarily lies, but uh, I know in my own life I've definitely acted on things from um, a different understanding and for different reasons, but to to a good outcome. But then I look back and I'm like, wow, I really misunderstood that situation. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it worked out. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of when the Israelites were wandering through the desert, right? And, and uh, Moses is like, listen, we're going to the promised land. Don't worry. But they have these doubts, right? And they're constantly um, diverging from God's will, right? And so at one point they're going to invade some city um, and they're mostly afraid to do so, right? Because they feel like, well, we have no chance. These people are superior force <laughs> to us. And so they send spies and the spies like, no way, these guys are huge and they're super awesome and we're not going to make it. So they fail to trust in the Lord because the Lord's like, I'm going to deliver you guys there. I'm going to help you out in the battle. And so I think it was only um, two people, two of the spies that were sent that said, no, we can do this. God's behind us, right? So if God's with us, who can be against us, right? And so, like, I feel like that, I agree with you in that um, sometimes it is kind of blind faith. Sometimes you really just have to trust, uh, trust in the Lord and understand that he's going to kind of pull you through it, right? And that it's not, right. not going to just be you by yourself. Um, you have someone backing you up, right? And so this idea that, you know, um, the doubts that we always have in everyday life, um, the constant worrying, like, how am I going to make ends meet? Or, you know, how, how am I going to achieve my goals? Sometimes you just have to say, you really have to trust in the Lord. Like, there's nothing else I can really say about it. Uh, even 
speaking about my own personal experience, like I didn't know uh, at a certain point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Uh, I kind of felt like I was in kind of flowing around with no real direction. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. and then suddenly this opportunity arose to go to attend design school. And I was a, I was, you know, I was very anxious about it and super reluctant. I just thought, I can't do this. This is so, this is diverging too far from what I'm used to because back in high school, I was, you know, really good at art, but I just never thought it would amount to anything. And my, you know, my parents would say, you can't make a living doing that. And some of my relatives said, you can't do this. You can't pursue a, 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 a you cannot pursue a career in the arts. It just, it won't sustain you. But I kind of thought, well, I think this is the way to go, even though I'm, I have my doubts. So I just went for it anyway. And it totally changed my life because now uh, I've got an excellent career, uh, you know, in the arts. And um, it's definitely, um, you know, has blessed our lives tremendously. So I can support my family and we live in relative comfort, I think. And we have a lot of options. We have a lot of choices. And I don't know if that I would have the similar opportunities available to me had I not pursued, uh, had I not pursued entering design school. And, you know, now we're located in the U.S. So uh, it has completely changed our lives. I, 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 I mean, it, I kind of feel like sometimes I can really strongly identify with Luke because when I lived, um, you know, in Canada, uh, I, I thought, I'm just going to stay here. I'll, I'll never leave. And I see a lot of my friends leaving for school or for career, but then they come back and I'm like, oh, if only I could just, you know, go off on an adventure as well. And when I was presented with an opportunity to uh, relocate to the States, I was like, oh, at one point I was very excited, but at the same time I was very, very apprehensive, right? Because I had never left home. I had never left the, the city where I basically grew up. And so, um, but, you know, I literally took a, a blind leap of faith thinking, well, you know, it's either going to be positive or it's going to be negative. I'll either stay there for a while or I'll come back, right? And so I would just went for it and... It was because of the school I went to, which kind of helped enable me to get there. And so definitely, like, the whole idea of a hero's journey uh, resonates with everybody. Um, anyone who's listening, anyone in this world, it doesn't matter where you're from, um, they, they kind of experience and endure this hero's journey where they doubt themselves, they doubt um, that they'll make it through. Um, but I think that if you have strong faith, um, it prevents you from from becoming desperate, perhaps, and it gives you some sort of anchor, some kind of direction. Uh, it can it kind of makes me think of when the disciples were taking a boat across, um, I think, the Sea of Galilee, and they encounter a, a storm, and Jesus is basically just sleeping, <laughs> you know, in, in the boat, right? He's sleeping. And the waves are tossing them to and fro, and they're freaking out. They're like, "We're gonna, you know, we're gonna sink! What? You gotta wake Jesus up! We're in dire straits! Like, we're not gonna make it! We're in the middle of the lake, and uh, the the shore is very, very far off." And then they wake Jesus, and he's like, "What's going on? Like, you know, what's the big deal?" And so he basically calms the waves and the wind, and they're astonished by him, right? Because, yeah. you know, they built, they follow him, and they and they they have faith in him, but until these miracles manifest. Um, they're still kind of working on faith. 
And that's kind of like what we're look, we're kind of working off of in our modern times. I mean, we didn't fit, we didn't eyewitness Jesus doing all these miracles, healing people, and all that kind of stuff, right? We're just basically reading it as a retrospective, right? We're reading the Old Testament, we're reading the New Testament, and you know, the New Testament is sort of like a clarifying lens that makes the Old Testament uh, less cryptic, right, and more meaningful. Mm -hmm. So we had the benefit that the disciples didn't have. I mean, yeah, they were physically in the presence of the Lord, right? But we have the entire account that we can read about. We see all the miracles. We read about his ministry. We read about the prophecies fulfilled from the Old Testament, right? So in some respects, we have a much more advantage, um, even though we, we weren't eyewitnesses to, uh, to his ministry. Right. Now, I found it interesting. I know it has nothing to do with Star Wars or Obi-Wan, but <laughs> um, when you were talking about your decision to go to school, design school, and then uh, proceeding from there, um, as far as I remember, when I met you in design school, you weren't yet a Christian, right? You were, um, I know you, you had curiosities and you're interested but I don't think you had taken that step yet. Yeah, like, I mean, I had always, I wasn't raised in a, a Christian family, um, and so the religion that we were raised on, I just didn't believe in. I just didn't think it was very logical. Right. And it just every with every passing year, it just had less appeal for me. Right. And so I, I, mm -hmm. I kind of was kind of self-identified as a Christian, even though I hadn't really read the Bible much. Uh, I never really attended church or Bible study. And, uh, but, you know, I would always be, I was always interested in it, and a lot of my friends were either Catholics or Christians, right? So I would speak with them about, hey, if I have any questions. But it wasn't until, yeah, you're right, and it wasn't until maybe around design school I started getting a little bit more serious about it. Um, and But I still wasn't saved. No. But it wasn't until um, years after I began working that I, I, I became saved, right? Then I, that I was given the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And, you know, right from the Bible, I'm like, this is the word. And once I fully understood it and I kind of accepted it, then I considered myself saved at that point. And that was maybe five, six years ago. I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't long ago, right? It was, hmm. I would say it's quite recent. Like prior to that, I, I understood sort of like a very kind of like high level overview of what Christianity was about. But, I always said, you know, why should we, why is there so much focus on this guy named Jesus? And why did he die? Like, if, if he's this, uh, if he's son of God, why did he let himself die? I, I never fully understood that. Looking back upon that prior to your, you know, prior to being saved, would you say that you can look back on even, you know, many years, nearly 20 years before being saved, um, are you able to look back and see God's hand in things and see where uh, you were, you know, you, you kind of took leaps of faith, so to speak, and you you did all you could, so you just had to kind of say, okay, well, I guess we're going to see what happens. And <laughs> yeah. Like, like can, you, can you look back now and see God's hand in your life prior to um, welcoming him into your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, you're talking about providence in a way right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you look back on your life in retrospect, you can see a lot clearer as well. 
<laughs> kind of like the lens of scripture clarifies, right? And so a lot of the, the concepts that I didn't understand fully, um, I had a very distorted view, right, of doctrine. And I kind of thought, well, I don't deserve to be saved. Like, I'm just not that great of a person. Like, why would God be impressed with me? So early on, I kind of felt like, am I worthy? I don't think I am. Like, I was very, I was pretty modest and pretty meek. And I just kind of felt like, well, God, you know who I am and you know what I've done. I don't think I deserve to get into heaven. So, but hopefully, you know, you're generous enough to let me in anyway, right? And so I didn't understand that. Yeah, we're all sinners, and we all need salvation. That's the entire premise of Christianity, right? right. And so when I look back on my life, I definitely see uh, that providence that I mentioned earlier. It's the fact that, yeah, like even though I wasn't saved, I was already on my journey. I didn't know how close I was to becoming saved. But, you know, I tried to keep in my mind, like to be mindful of, um, you know, the Ten Commandments, and, you know, there's a greater purpose that I have, um, and things, yeah, I could, I could definitely see things happened in very specific sequences that led me, uh, to, to the moment of being saved. Like I always was, um, I was always curious about prophecy. Like I was actually fascinated by prophecy, in fact, and I, I would read whatever I could uh, about prophecy. And the majority of my friends actually, you know, were I would like to think that they were saved, right? They're, they were Christians, and most of them, you know, had a good working knowledge of the scriptures, right? They weren't experts, but it was enough to keep me sort of interested and keep me engaged. And right. the more questions I asked, the more questions I had, right? So, because I mean, when you start to ask questions or have doubts, it just leads you to more questions. Uh, and yeah. it, it leads you to find out more because you can't just say, I have one ultimate question, and if this is answered to the the best uh, format, then therefore I shall be saved and fully devote my life to Christ. Right? No, that's not how it works. It is definitely a journey, and it takes a, it's a process uh, to lead you to that point. You know, because back then I I rarely read the Bible. Once in a while, I might open it up, and I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like I didn't know back then about uh, you know, Bible studies. I didn't know back then about the one-year sort of like I guess study or is it the one-year reading plan and mm -hmm. and uh, I met a lot of people that would encourage me I think that the coolest thing was when someone gave me this DVD and the DVD was entitled Jesus of Nazareth right and that's an excellent movie like it's a mini it's a mini series um, mm -hmm. which kind of chronicles Jesus ministry uh, right from when he just before he gets baptized to his eventual crucifixion right and the the focus is on the disciples like, and how he kind of interacts with them and how he starts to teach the multitude and so when the when that person gave me that dvd i watched the whole thing and it was really awesome to to watch it because you know people just don't like to read like we live in a culture where everything is instant we right. watch a YouTube video that's five minutes long. We don't want to read the entire book. We read um, a synopsis, right? Yeah. We want everything fast and quick. And so I would, like, to anyone who wants to sort of get into the Bible, I would suggest if you're not really, if you're reluctant to read the Bible and it's hard to understand it unless you're saved and unless you have a guide, like a pastor or a Bible study partner, uh, you you should just watch some biblical movies. I mean, they're not always 100% accurate, 
but Jesus of Nazareth is probably one of the best miniseries you can watch. You won't be able to watch it in one sitting because there's it's a, there's many many parts to it. But it's a very good primer. It's a very good way to begin that journey because then you right. can sort of have this visual of oh, okay yeah Jesus is this guy and he's collecting all these disciples one by one. And then when when he relates the story of the prodigal son, it's really moving. And um, I think a lot of people could identify with it because everyone is really kind of like the prodigal son, right? They're they're gung ho. They really want to take the world, um, take it on, and they can do it by themselves and they can do it their way. But then, you know, eventually, inevitably they fail, and then they get discouraged, and then they fall into this kind of negative feedback cycle. But the prodigal son is such a strong, compelling story because um, like many other accounts in the Bible, it's about someone who's not perfect, right? The son decides he wants his dad's inheritance before his dad dies, and he's so young, but he shouldn't really receive that much money. But his dad's like, okay, I'm going to give you the entire thing. So the son takes that money, and he just lives a riotous life, and he just blows everything. Like all his money is gone within probably weeks or months. And he's living as a basically as a, an extreme poverty, and he realizes that like I should just go back home because at least my dad could at least hire me as a servant, and I could get paid better than what I'm being paid right now. And so it's so moving because it's sad, uh, but it's something that anyone can identify with instantly because we've all been there, right? We've all been, oh, I want to run away from home. Yeah, every kid has that kind of fantasy, right? Yeah. I'm gonna join the circus. I'm gonna eat cotton candy the rest of my life. Like, I'm gonna do all these things, and I don't need no parents to tell me what to do, right? So everyone has gone through that. Um, and then, obviously, when you do fail, like you know, your your family is hopefully there to pick you up. And um, that's for me what started it all. Like, and once I started reading that, once I watched that miniseries, I loved it. And then um, it's kind of like the scriptures became much more attractive to me. And it's hard to, you know, even when you're going to a secular school, when I attended university, it was difficult to study unless um, the material had direct relevance to your life, unless there was practical application. And so for me, because I love prophecy so much, I started just reading prophecy. Anything that was prophetic I could get my hands on, I would read it. So Book of Daniel, right? Um, Elijah, one of my favorite characters um, in the Bible. And then obviously the book of Revelation, which is fascinating and totally cryptic. And I, it took me a long time to understand it, but now I do. Um, and that definitely should be a topic of a, of a future conversation. But yeah, like it's the beginning is the most hard for any individual. And I can certainly attest to that. The beginning for me was hard because I was reluctant. Um, I didn't understand the relevance. I had doubts. Like who, you know, who amassed these collection of these, these books, right? are they relevant and people would say oh this people some people would discourage me and say oh the, that's such a from an old time it's inconsistent it has nothing to do with today now it's out of date but these are all really kind of rationalizations and excuses because people just don't want to admit that they don't want to agree with what the bible says um so they find they try to find inconsistencies and they try to find ways to defeat it right because they just don't want to they don't want to uh, um, admit that it's it's full of knowledge, right? It's not there mm -hmm. to deceive anybody. God doesn't care about money. He doesn't. He has no ulterior motives other than to get you into heaven. Um, he's there to teach us, right? And so we're you know we need to just read the Bible with an open heart and 
it's reading with understanding that's the most important thing i think i i skimmed through the bible for so many years and i just get got very little out of it yeah but it wasn't until i actually started reading with understanding and not looking for errors or inconsistency but actually looking for the answers to very difficult questions that i began to realize wow this this bible is amazing like it's unparalleled right there is no other writings that are that come even close to it uh, throughout entire yeah. human history nothing is nothing is like it at all and the fact that it's written by so many people over the span of thousands of years or whatever it is and yet it's still very consistent is uh is pretty incredible i feel um well one thing you said you know you're doing all this research and uh you were looking at uh, you know book studying prophecy and reading the bible with different perspectives but ultimately when we get saved um from what I, my own experience and what I've seen, seen, very rarely it seems someone comes to salvation through um, a study. They're like, okay, I see it, makes sense, I'm saved. I think more so it becomes such a matter of the heart, you know, and so your pers- you changed your perspective on, on uh, reading the Bible and you started to not read it with um, skepticism or looking for faults and uh, being so scientific about it, but more so, you know, your heart came into it. And then um, I imagine when when it came time where you where you were saved, um, your heart was fully that was an, an activation of heart more than logic and you know frame of mind we'll say yeah i think that's you raised the good point like um like it seems logical like what i I described for myself was more it sounds like it's logical progression but yeah you're right it wasn't really like um like i just studied for an exam and then suddenly i passed right Right, it was more like I kind of had some doubts. I had some inklings of what faith meant and what doctrine was, but I had a shift. I had to shift my perspective because before I thought, okay, it's all based on merit. If I'm a good person, if I do my best and try to be nice and this and that, um, then maybe I'll get in. Right. And then um, I met someone else and I was speaking with them and I said, you know, how do you know? that you're, you're going to get into heaven. Like, how do you know for sure? And he says, well, I know 100% for sure. And I said, well, can you explain that to me, right? And when he said that, I was like, so... Um, I don't want to say that I was angry, but I was a little bit, like, taken aback. I was like, wow, that's kind of arrogant to think that, right? To, to know with such certainty, right? Because for me, I thought, oh, it's merit-based. So for you to say that means that you really think highly of yourself, right? But then once he explained it to me, he's like, no, no, it's nothing to do with me. It's, it's everything to do with God because he fulfilled salvation for us, right? So we're not saved because we're a good person. We're not saved because we're nice to animals. We're not saved because we tithe or we donate to charitable organizations. We're saved because simply out of faith, right? Like right. salvation is a free gift paid for by Christ, uh, offered to us by the grace of God. Um, and all we have to do is one thing, which is believe have genuine faith in christ put all of your trust in him and that's it 
right? That it's a, it's a very simple plan. Anyone can understand it. And you don't have to do all this liturgy. You don't have to do all these things. It's not a, like salvation is not a process. It's an event that happens once. Um, so the way, you know, that's how he explained it to me. And he, he kind of further elaborated and said, you know, if it was up to us to, to save ourselves, we, we couldn't do it right. We'd mess it up, right. right? Because we're carnal. We're human. We're sinners. We just can't do it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why he basically said, that's why none of our works are enough to save us. That's why we need a savior, and that savior is Jesus, right? Because only he alone was sinless. You know, when he lived as a human being, only he was the one who, who did it perfectly. And so, um, so he basically, Jesus trades us his perfect righteousness uh, for our sins. Like we do a swap, right? And so right. that's why he gets punished on the cross because he became sin. Um, and God, you know, slammed his wrath down on him. And so basically Jesus substituted himself for us. And that's how we're saved. And I didn't understand that. And when he explained to me, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like that totally changed. Uh, it was a pretty huge shift in my doctrinal thinking. Yeah. Uh, I was like, wow, now I fully understand. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of wanted to say sorry to him because I'm like, now I'm, now I'm kind of like, uh, I feel kind of bad to to think that he was arrogant, right? And that he knew he was going to get into heaven 100%. But now I understand that, no, it's a very simple plan. And anyone can be saved, right? And it's not like you're some perfect dude and you're saved because you're perfect. No, it's because you accepted that, no, I'm not, I'm not perfect. And that's why I'm right. going to be saved. You know, that's... And then from that point on, I knew I was saved. And because I understood that core tenet now, everything in scripture, like a huge portion of scripture made sense to me. And uh, I, I kind of began to read the Bible through, uh, through a new lens, through a new viewpoint, from a new perspective. Uh, and everything started to kind of like fall into place. I'm like, this is amazing. It's so incredible. Uh, and so accelerated my, my motivation to learn more, to read. And so I'm working my way through the Bible again. And, you know, obviously some parts I still don't fully understand. Like some of it is still kind of cryptic. But the majority of the text, now I now I, I understand it. Because once you understand this core tenet of salvation, you realize that the Old Testament and New Testament are filled with allegorical stories, parables, um, accounts that are paralleling this idea of salvation. Right. Right. It's amazing. Like it's kind of like a... Being saved is a primer, which will allow you to re to understand and read the rest of the Bible, because they're all parallel to this core tenet of faith is what saves you, right? Pretty pretty incredible stuff. No, now that we're like we totally we're off topic, which that's okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I'm curious uh, when it comes to your career now, because we were talking about you know career, and both of us our careers are very important to us. Um, would you say that you are able to see God's hand in your career now and you can kind of relax in it? Like myself, I'm going through, um, I'm sort of at this, I wouldn't even call it a crossroads because I, I don't have at the moment really any options i would say cross when you're at a crossroads at something mm -hmm. you have options directions to mm -hmm. go so i'm i'm not at a crossroads i'm at a point where um 
I'm much of my prayer and hope and all that is for a shift in my career or where is this going? And, you know, much of it has to do with age. And so I'm wondering, like, do you, do you see God working in your career, helping with decisions or bringing opportunity to you? Um, is it something that you've found that you can relax in and go, I have no idea at the moment. I'm going to trust God <laughs> yes. with this. Yeah. I mean, like when I graduated from design school, um, I had a few opportunities presented to me, which I feel, you know, were a real blessing. Like, and in fact, the opportunity that I chose to enter the, um, my first job was really, it just kind of fell in my lap. I didn't go search it out. Um, and I didn't even know if I could do it. I just thought like, yeah, I could like, you know, I was, I did pretty well in school. Like I did all right. I wasn't the best but I wasn't the worst. And I thought, well, okay, I could try this. And the pay was amazing, uh, which I feel is a real blessing. Um, but when I was working for a while, I kind of felt, I became disillusioned. I kind of wondered, like, is this what I should be doing? Like, uh, my career path um, uh, led me to a number of jobs which were very intense and time time consuming like and i never traveled i never really did anything super fun i just kind of worked and i and i started picking up freelance work and i worked more and i you know um and i kind of after a while I just kind of felt a little bit burnt out and just kind of asking myself what am i doing like is this what i want to do for the rest of my life and i just couldn't see myself doing it because i just didn't really like the lifestyle that much mm-hmm. um you know no job is perfect right um so at that point, I was like actually kind of meandering. I kind of felt like a leaf in a river, right? I was just kind of like getting tossed around. I had no real direction. I didn't really have any real end goal in mind. And I remember talking to my accountant. He said, you got to have goals. you got to set some goals that are achievable um, because otherwise you're not really going to get anywhere. And I thought, okay, that's fine. That, that's cool. And then so I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a good time for me to shift my career. And so I, I began to move uh, to different job opportunities, um, but I still wasn't happy uh, with where I was after after I moved. And at that point, I realized it's who you're working with that's more important than what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always missed that first job I ever had because that was the, the most fun I ever had, the most rewarding. I was learning right. a lot of stuff. I was being challenged every day. Um, I worked with a lot of people that were similar to me, like young graduate, no debt, no family. So I kind of always want to get back to that point, but I knew I never could. So, and the funny thing is when I eventually was recruited by a company, that was uh, something I actually had dreamed about. I thought, oh, if 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 I could actually do this one thing, that would be it. Like my life would be set. And I would have achieved and attained my dreams. And so I didn't even initially want to go. I didn't actually initially, I didn't actually want to go for it because I was uh, afraid. Because as I said before, I never left, I never left home. I never left my family or friends. Um, And to step out into the complete unknown, because I had nobody there, no support group. I was like, wow, this is totally not comfortable. Um, And 
not to get into specific details, but we, there are many challenges that were faced, and um, we couldn't actually. We had a lot of problems getting all the visas and stuff like that, and so there was a point in time when I thought it was all going to fall apart because it's a very very fragile situation. But then suddenly, it just everything turned around. Everything fell into place. Bang, 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 and then we were there. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like, <laughs> and I kind of feel like there there was definitely some providence there because it literally was. If this thing didn't work, I would be basically jobless and have to look for another job. You know, like that would have been a major headache. Plus, I had a plus I had a house, so I had um, mortgage payments to hit to hit, and so. Um, yeah, like, I mean, like, looking back on my life, there are so many uh, intersections that have occurred where I definitely see, you know, uh, God's hand in my life. And, you know, people say, oh, it's, um, they don't believe that, oh, if you pray for something, you'll get it, right? Because oftentimes they'll pray for um, very um, carnal things. They'll pray for materialistic things, you know, but, you know, God's not really going to give you what you want. God's only going to give you what you need. And there's a difference, right? You may want to be a millionaire, but he's not going to give you that, right? You may right. want to have a, a career, and he probably will give you that because he's going to provide for you. And so the other gentleman that I spoke with um, who kind of gave me the gospel salvation, he's like, yeah, God provides. You know, you have to trust in that. And he's like, in my life, he's provided for me very well. Like, And uh, it wasn't until I started thinking about, you know, in, in your quiet moments when you're reflective about your life that you see, yeah, like there's a pattern. You know, when you're at the lowest point and you don't know what to do and you f kind of feel like directionless, um, uh, you know, I think that's when you, like, you have to sort of like uh, really trust in the Lord and know that it's gonna it's gonna be okay right like mm -hmm. there's a lot of things in life we cannot control and um for example getting my career getting a new career path for me i had no way to like prepare for that moment and i didn't go looking for it at all like I, they found me right um right. and so i just grabbed it i grabbed onto that opportunity because i think like people say oh um the wealthy are lucky. Um, I don't really believe in that. I kind of feel like people are successful because they're ready and prepared to uh, take advantage of an opportunity that when it arises, right? So mm -hmm. you need to just be ready to take, to seize that opportunity because once it, once it kind of like manifests and you don't, you're not proactive at that point, um, it's just going to be that door is going to close, right? There's a there's a timeline where you just have to optimize your decision making process and just go for it, right? And so for me, um, I I worked pretty hard during school, but uh, you know I also was a little bit lazy at times too, as we all are. But I felt that most of the things I did, uh, I kind of motivated it to as a way to kind of amass skills so the more skills you have the more opportunities you have because when you go to you know when you try to when you're trying to pursue a new career it's all about providing credibility to the person that is interviewing you um, and so yeah like 
during my schooling, I kind of felt like all the things I did, <clears throat> uh, I made sacrifices, right? And uh, because of the sacrifices I made, I was very well prepared when the when the opportunities arose for me. And even though I was pretty fearful, um, I just kind of like said, well, I'm just going to go for it. And if if I fail, then I've learned something. But if I succeed, then my whole life will change uh, right. for the better. Right. And so I kind of feel like, uh, how you know, how did the disciples feel when Jesus like, come and follow me? They literally just dropped everything and just followed him. Right. Yeah. I mean, was it uh, Peter, Simon Peter? Like he was a fisherman. Right. He's like a rough, rough and tough kind of guy. Like he wasn't some intellectual and he wasn't some philosopher. He was just like a nine to five meat and potatoes kind of guy. Right. <laughs> and he's like, OK, I'll follow you. Yeah. He just literally just dropped his fishing nets and he's like, I'm, I'm off. Right. And um, like, that's amazing. And not everyone could do that. Right. And like, I couldn't do that. But uh, when it, when the time came, despite my doubts and fears, I, you know, I just said, yeah, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And what happens, what happens, right? He, I'm sure he has a plan for me and this is it. Maybe this is it. So, so, um, and, you know, throughout my life, there have been people that have helped me and encouraged me. There have been people that have discouraged me too. Um, but I feel like the majority of people that, that have been, that have entered my life uh, have definitely influenced me in a positive manner, right? So I kind of feel like there's providence there. Because, you know, when you meet someone, you know, how do you meet them? Like, it's random, oftentimes. Like, you don't plan yeah. for, I'm going to, on in six months from now, I'm going to meet this girl, and then I'm going to marry her. Or in seven months, I'm going to meet this guy, and we're going to become friends, and he's going to have a positive influence on my life. Like, we don't, you can't plan for these things, because they don't, um, like, your life isn't just some formula that unfolds in a very predictable manner, right? Right. Um, how, do you, how do you find it in your life? Um, very much the same. I, well, it, I would say it's, it's uh, looking back is when I, I really see things come together. Um, and uh, I think what I've learned is that if you have an idea or a direction or you even have a, a sense of where you want to be or want to go, um, just that alone sort of opens up uh, your awareness of um, different things that are coming into your life. Um, and so for myself, you know, I... I kind of would do that. The things that I just went for, um, I, they were just, you know, I, it was the same thing. I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but the opportunities come up and it's come up in such a way that it seems, um, timely or that I can probably do it even though I think I can't. So I would just go for it. Um, but I, I think the the most significant uh, aspects of my life um, came when I let go. Like, uh, for example, my <laughs> yes. house. I was looking for, I was shopping for a house, and um, I was looking and looking and looking and thought I knew what I wanted and just kept looking and could not find it. And then one day... 
uh, I just said, um, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop looking. This has become a frustration more than a joy. And so I decided I'm, I quit and I'll just stay in my apartment for another year. And then it must have been two days later, I was going for a drive and I saw these nice houses being built. And um, so I, I asked my mom if she wanted to go and look at them, just kind of like, you know, looky-loos, like check out these places with no intention of buying or even any possibility. It was like out of my range in every way. So um, we went and I remember when we walked in, um, my mom said to me, I think this is your house. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and I loved it. I mean, I loved the place right when I saw it, but that's awesome. And it was, it was just a, a, a new, a brand new build. It wasn't even completed. And, uh, so that's one example. And, and I just, I kind of felt it too, but I was afraid to agree with her. And then, uh, once I jumped through the hoops to find out if I could do it, I did. And, um, other things like, um, jobs, uh, where I was just like, you know, I had an opportunity or someone, um, vouched for me. Uh, there was one situation in my career where I had, um, I was working in Toronto. I had a fantastic job. Uh, but due to the lifestyle, I thought I want to look for something closer to home. And I ended up with a job, um, that someone had found and told me about. So I, I didn't even find it myself, but I found it and it was kind of the what not to do of, um, design companies. And I was just so depressed and, and I, I was, I spent a year thinking I had just collapsed my career. And, um, so once I kind of got out of the depression, I just, I started looking for jobs and I spent six months looking and nothing, I couldn't find a thing. It was so strange. And, mm -hmm. um, then I, uh, I, one day I said, that's it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop looking for a job. I'm going to purposefully find joy in this job. I'm going to go in I'm going to be happy and that's it. I'm, I'm letting this go. Uh, this hunt go. So I had just basically decided to be content where I was at. And um, but I guess it would have been maybe, a, it, I think it was like a day later um, after doing that, that I got a call from someone who had interviewed with a company. And he said, uh, I interviewed for this job. It's a great opportunity. But all I could think of is that you should have this job. So <laughs> yes. I told them about you and they want you to call them. And <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so I called and then I went there. And then just, so every major aspect, and there's so many more from things like cars to people to jobs and relationships and all that, all of the best 
most significant parts of my life, I would say, um, came when I stepped out of the way. So, um, and, and really then looking back, I was like, wow, God was like totally working in that. And he was just kind of waiting for me to step up and step away. And, uh, so yeah, so I, I, I really try and remember those instances because of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm kind of at that place again in my career and, with it comes a lot of fear and doubts and um endings and you know it's it's a di- i'm not going to sugarcoat it. it's a difficult time for me right now in that regard mm-hmm. and yeah. so i have to look back i'm i constantly have to remember okay god came through in ways that i never could have imagined so Precisely. um i'm just going to hope that he does that again <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Like, it's obvious that, um, you know, life is never going to be, um, like perfect and everything's going to go your way all the time. And, um, you're never going to have any struggles. Like, the entire point of life, I think, is, um, you know, when you do arrive at those intersections of stress or decisions or challenges, like, um, that's your sort of like hardening process where, it's not like a test, like you pass fail. It's just like you need to work through it. And, um, hopefully your faith is stronger, uh, once you endure that sort of intersection. Right. And, you know, we see this uh, throughout the Bible, like so many different accounts. Um, you know, we see uh, as I, you know, I want to kind of go back to the hero's journey because many of the biblical stories are about a hero's journey. Right. Um, Moses, you know, is uh, commanded by the Lord to lead the Israelites, you know, to freedom, right? And he's reluctant. Right. He, he, I think he had a stuttering problem. He admitted to the Lord, I don't, I'm not a good speaker. Like, why are you choosing me for? I'm not a good public speaker. I'm a meek person, right? But, you know, God used him. Um, and it kind of way, in a, in a way, it's kind of, dem- in a way, it demonstrates the glory of God because Moses was totally, um, uh, very humble, right? And instead of you, instead of choosing someone who's super strong, a charismatic leader, God's like, no, I'm going to use Moses because he's meek, right? So that people right. know that when Moses achieves great things, it's not because of the man Moses, it's because of the Lord, right? People will know that, no, it's because I did it through Moses. So Moses is the agent, right? The agency is God, right? And so, you know, we see that with Elijah as well. Like he didn't want to, you know, listen to the Lord. Um, And he was also very meek and very fearful. But, you know, yet he was able to do some pretty amazing stuff. You know, calling fire fire down from heaven is pretty amazing. Um, (laughs) Even Daniel and and Job, like, I mean, look at Job. He's like whining, complaining. His life becomes a a major mess. He loses pretty much everything, which is quite horrible, right? Um, But no matter what... Uh, happens to him he he never um fails in his faith he never curses god right even his wife is saying curse him you know look at what's happened to you look you're you've got all these boils on your skin the lord blesses job with far more than what he began with right to make it up for him right and so like all these sort of like stories to the bible are very they're trying times for these individuals but they push through right and they make it on, make it to the other side, 
uh, a better person with stronger faith, right? So uh, this hardening process is something that, um, you know, everyone endures. And I think that that's, that's kind of like the key message, right? Oh, absolutely. That's, and, um, you know, we also have to remember to give God the credit. I think a lot of us, uh, I'm definitely guilty of it. I forget to do it or mm-hmm. it's not until later that I, I do, or I'm shy to give God the credit, uh, mm-hmm. openly. Um, yeah, so interesting. So it's even more interesting how we started talking about Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. I haven't mentioned it's his nice, name for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice tangent. Well, you know, I think yeah. like um, what we'll do is we could pick this up uh, in our next podcast. I think like, I think we're, you know, we've reached a really good spot. And I didn't think that we would get to this point in time in yeah. our conversation. But I think it's cool. And uh, yeah, we could definitely pick up um, with, uh, with New Hope in our next podcast. All right. Talk to you next time. Well, awesome. As, as always, it's awesome talking to you. And I hope our listeners uh, find this engaging. And uh, again, as I stated before, uh, this is a series of podcasts we'll be doing, uh, focusing on uh, the themes that are prevalent in uh, a lot of works of modern fiction. And we're, we're trying to see how they relate to the Bible um, and how these uh, symbols and themes are found throughout a lot of modern works.